Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. My guest today has over 30 years' experience in the property finance market, as well as being a property developer during the very difficult time of the great financial crisis. He has spent his time since then being the CEO of Signature Property Finance. So welcome, Tony Gilbertson. Thank you, Rod. Yeah, thanks for the invite. So, Tony, if we can get started, really, you've got a big career in in finance obviously mostly in property finance but how did you get into property in the first place well yeah if I, if I go back to the start which obviously when you said 30 years does does make me feel very old yeah I, I started back uh, well it's actually called Midland Bank when I started obviously then later became HSBC so, so I, I worked for them for a for a number of years I was on the management training scheme, made my way through quite quickly into a managerial role and a, and a lending role. And, and I seem to have a very sort of property biased portfolio in terms of both you know, landlords, investments and the development side. And I had had a few sort of Cardiff based developers who were well known where, in their words, you know, I helped them make their first million pounds. Never got my 10%, but obviously helped them make their million pound, which, which obviously, you know, it, it gave me the bug to think, well, if I can help them do it, why can't I really do it myself? I, I then moved roles to more of a branch-based role. I was a branch manager, looked after a couple of branches, etc. And, and I got quite friendly with, with a, a developer customer who, ironically, was, was ex-bank himself, but Lloyds Bank. He was wanting to grow his development company but couldn't do it on his own and, and asked me to sort of make that jump from banking you now into development. So I sort of joined forces with him. We you know we had the development company. We also set up a, a construction company, which in hindsight I wish we hadn't, but that's 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 another story. I don't uh, know many people who I don't know many developers who are also set up a construction company and have nice things to say about it. But I think it's a necessary evil some of the it, time. It? it is, yeah. But I say when when I jumped ship to obviously do the development, obviously wanting a sort of diverse income stream, which again I'm glad I did it at the time. Obviously because of my finance back, I also started up a, a brokerage business. And in my sanity at the time, I actually bought the freehold of a pub as well, which people did sort of scratch their head at the time thinking, why is he becoming a, a pub landlord? But the, the reason for the purchase was actually property sort of based because the, the building in the town it was in, you know, the, the price I managed to pick it up for, because obviously it was a pub that wasn't doing well and the, the, the pub estate just wanted to get rid of it. What I paid for the building, it was worth, the building was worth more than that, irrespective of the business trading from there. So I always add, well, if the pub didn't work, I could convert this into a nice big house or a couple of flats. But, you know, thankfully going off on a slight tangent, the pub worked and we, we traded it for 13 years, myself and my wife. Oh, wow. Um, which, which did help out in terms of income, obviously, when we get into sort of the, the sort of 2008. But obviously, in terms of my development sort of background, uh, like a lot of people at the sort of the, you know, early 2000s, was able to, to, to buy properties up in the Ronda Valleys for sort of 20, 25,000, flip them and make some good money. You know, then moved on to sort of sort of the refurb stuff. We then moved on to, 
We did a couple of barn conversions. We converted a manor house. We did new builds. So we, we were slowly sort of building the company. And then so obviously 2008, 2009 arrived. As the, as the financial crisis started, we bought, brought 23 flats, new build flats to the market up in Birmingham. And, and that's, that's when I sort of, like a lot of people probably sort of fell out of love with property. <laughs> um, no, it, it was in, in terms of the deal at the time it made sense because we we'd sold it all off plan to, to one buyer uh, they a genuine you know exchange of contracts we had 10 percent deposit but obviously the crash hit they made the decision they made the decision they wanted to walk away obviously they tried to get the 10 percent back but they weren't going to get it so obviously we, we had that money in the pot which sort of did help out for the short term in terms of servicing the debt until we could sort of come up with a sort of strategy of you know, what we're going to do with all these flats. And, and then basically over, over time, it was a sort of a, a, a strategy of you know, rent them out to generate income, to service the debt, then also then trying to dispose of it then to extinguish the debt. Yeah. Um, and I say, coming back to my brokerage and the pub, you know, because obviously with development, as we all know, it's feast and famine. Um, so to, to have those two other income streams in the background that that helped me to pay my day-to-day bills you know where, when we were trying to sort out the, the development and i imagine during that time the pub was probably doing all right as everyone wanted to drown their sorrows and maybe the brokerage was having a bit of a tough time in terms of it, it, was, it was yeah so so i know i again have, having have, having a foot in a, cu- a couple of camps does make sense and that that's one thing i always say to people you know to to rely purely on development is is a bit of a risky strategy and i say th- thankfully you know i made that idea of buying the pub and i say it worked in our favor as you know, as the years went on but uh, but again we managed to you know in, in terms of the flats we managed to sort of implement our strategy i still own a couple of the flats today but at the end of the day the, the objective at the time was to keep your shirt yeah and you know and i know you know a, a lot of people i knew unfortunately couldn't and didn't and lost things but again from that particular instance where and i always say to people you know I, I nearly lost everything, you know, and I could have lost everything in terms of including the family home. It does sort of you know, make, make you sort of think twice. And it, it's something which I, I never forget now when, you know, I, I'm talking to, to my borrowers because, you know, that's one thing I, I never want as a lender, want to make my borrowers feel the way that my lender made me feel back in 2008. And what, I mean, how did they make you feel? What were the sort of things they were doing back then? Because Oh, they, they, it, it was very, they just wanted their money back. Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it was, you know, all, all the threats of going after you personally. You know, I said, thankfully, you know, we, we had that 10% deposit monies, which, you know, gave us the breathing space. We managed to rent then to keep servicing it. But even then, even though we were servicing the interest cost, the, the, you know, the next turn of the screw was, oh, we want you now to service capital as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they knew I, I knew I wasn't generating enough to do that. That's when we started, you know, disposing of things and you know, and got to a position where you know we, we all bought some, we we sold some, and and managed to you know come away from that unscathed financially, but you still have the scars emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say it's um, a hugely stressful time for for anyone. Um, what would you say your biggest kind of learnings were from that period then? I think, and again, coming back to signature, one thing I learned is, you know, if you've got a good lender on your side when something goes wrong. Yeah. You know, it was, and again, back then, it was lending money off the back of a fag packet. 
You know, whilst our proposal made total sense because we had sold our plan, you know, yeah. people were people were throwing money at you before two thousand and eight, and then after two thousand and eight, it was from you know one extreme to the other, and they just wanted back. And and that's all I you know say to people is, you know, it's it's making sure you know the lender that you get into bed with, you know, doesn't just help you when times are good. And what's the old saying? You know, they they'll give you a, an umbrella when the sun is shining and take it off you when it's raining. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what, I mean, what advice would you give to developers that are looking to borrow then? Not just, obviously, to go and speak to yourselves at Signature, but what, what kind of things w- would they be looking for to understand how a lender can, can behave when things go wrong? I, I know, I think it's, it's, it's a lender that's probably similar to what I've done, that's had the background of being a developer themselves. Yeah. You know, and, and, I've, and I've got the, the scars of going through, you know, property crashes, recessions, you know, because it, it, it's easy to sort of, oh, I'll just go for the cheapest interest rate, you know, but that that always isn't the sort of the best for the sort of the, the, the long term plan of, of the development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, there's, there's other costs involved as well, but also it's having a lender which understands what you're doing. And, you know, hopefully has, has done it themselves, because that, that's one thing that, that I like to do. I, I you know. I don't like to sit behind my desk and just sort of say yes and no to people. I like to get out there and, and see sites. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I always use one example where I had this development up in Crew. I know I looked at it, the proposal didn't make sense. I looked at Google Maps, didn't make sense. Looked at Land Registry, still couldn't get it. And then I noticed on Google Maps, there was a railway station just down the road. So I said to the broker, Clyde, can I just come on the train and have a look? So literally went up there, walked around for 10 minutes. It made total sense. I agreed the deal on the spot. So, you know, and, and with, with that particular customer as well on subsequent visits, you know, he was talking me through what he was going to do and he, he explains I, I, something he was going to do and I must have pulled a face and, and known to myself, he said, why did you pull that face? I said, well, that's what I did on one of my developments. And then I had to spend another 10 grand then to put it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a fortnight later, I got a phone call from him, or spoke to my architect, we're going to do what you ended up having to do. So, you know, saved him that sort of £10,000, which, you know, how do you quantify that? That's not an interest rate. You know, that's not an arrangement fee. You know, that's just from, from somebody's sort of knowledge and ex- ex- you know, experience of the way not to do it. Hello, everyone, and sorry to interrupt your show. I wanted to quickly tell you about this year's Resolve Property Business Retreat. Myself, Adam Lawrence and Sue Sims each year take SME property businesses for a seven-day intensive property business program which is designed to give each business focus and a clear strategy moving forward we help to take apart each business and put the foundations together to ensure it can grow sustainably for the future after the treat we also hold each business to account every month during monthly calls the days are long and include workshops designed for the individual businesses that attend but we promise you and your organization will get so much out of it If you would like more info or to even speak to last year's attendees to find out if it was worth it, please contact me on my email, which is in the show notes. The dates for this year are the 8th of October for seven nights. So we hope you can make it. Now let's get back to the show. Absolutely. And I guess it's about flexibility, isn't it? It's being able to have a relationship with the lender because as well, I guess we'll probably go on to this in a bit, but there's a lot of lenders out there and it, this is i guess whenever you look at kind of banking modern day banking the days of going to speak to your bank manager are almost over because one if you can get to speak to your bank manager normally they'll have moved on <laughs> in 
in a short space of time to something else and you've got a new person that you've got to build that relationship with people's kind of time in jobs are much shorter but also with bigger lenders there's various teams and, and you're not kind of stuck with the same person and relationship manager and things like that um so in 2008 i guess part of the problem was there was a liquidity crisis Banks, like you said, it wasn't just a case of servicing interest. It was they wanted their capital back. And the problem there we had with things like loan-to-value covenants and that sort of stuff. How different do you think the market is at the moment compared to that 2008? I know a lot of people are worried about kind of it being a volatile market at the moment. What do you think are the main differences? Well, I think, well, first of all, obviously, the, the, the banks are better capitalised, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, as we've seen with you know, the pandemic, you know, there's been no sort of you know, major hit on the banks because they've got capital on their balance sheet. They learned their lessons from 2008. So whilst the high street are, are well capitalised, you know, they still don't seem to want to, you know, get, get too much involved with property and property development, which, you know, as an alternative lender, that's fantastic news for us. Yeah. And, and I think that's the big difference where, you know, it's no longer off the back of a fact package in terms of borrowing the money. You know, there is a lot more due diligence than now for, you know, funding is is released. And that's that's something, again, from, from experience, you know, relationship management to me is probably the most important thing. You know, in terms of the first thing, you know, when I propose it comes over my desk, the first thing I look at is quality of the management. You know, if you don't trust and understand and believe in the management, the, the assets irrespective. Yeah. Um, and, and I always say, and I always say, you know, people say, well, yeah, but I, I had troubles in 2008. I said, yeah, been there, done it, got that. I also got that T-shirt, you know, and, and I, I don't penalise people for what happened in 2008 because I was outside everybody's control. Nobody foresaw that. You know, I take any issues from that time with a pinch of salt and that doesn't stop me from lending to people today. So this year, so that way, you know, today is different to then. I think it's, it's more the alternative lenders who are filling the gap. But obviously, they, in, in terms of their due diligence, you know, it's a lot sort of firmer than it was back in sort of 2000, 2007, yeah. 2008. Definitely a lot more of a specialist lending market, isn't it, rather than kind of just... And, and again, going back to the relationship management, as I was saying, if you, you, know, you know your customer, you go and visit the site, so then if something does go wrong and you get that phone call, well, because you you know and understand, it's a lot easier for them to, to make a, a call in. Well, yeah, you know, I, I want to support the bit, you know, the company. You know, I want to get this development finished. You know, I, I don't want to become, I don't want the company to be a property landlord. You know, I've got enough personal property that I'd like to get rid of. I don't want Signature to become a landlord. And, you know, if that's always last, last, last resort. And I always say to people, just keep talking to me. You know, yep. and you know, we, we'll always find a, a way through it. And that's something going back to me in 2008, my lender didn't want to talk to me. They just wanted their money back. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was as blunt as that, really. And so what was it that made you want to set up Signature Property Finance then? Was well, it- yeah, I think, I think in, yeah, in terms of, I said earlier, though, I, because of 2000, I sort of fell out of love with the development side of it. Yeah. But obviously, I've still had this sort of passion for, for property. And obviously, because of the, the brokerage business I had at the time, there was two other individuals that I set Signature up with. You know, I was helping them you know, raise funding as well as you know, bridging funding for, for what they were doing. And then the sort of the three of us who had different skill sets. Obviously, I had the sort of the development, the banking. One was a resi landlord. One was a commercial landlord. And between the three of us, well, hang on, we thought we covered all the bases so it was a case of, you know, poacher turned gamekeeper. Yeah. So you know, ra- rather than borrowing the money, use our knowledge experience, 
to lend the money. And, you know, and having used bridging myself over the years, you could see how profitable it can be. And so that's, that's what we decided then, sort of, well, we did the rounds around London to sort of find an investor because we were a startup. And yeah, we started, well, we incorporated Signature in 2012. We sort of did our first deal towards the end of 2013. Uh, and, and to be honest, you know, really haven't looked back since. But in terms of the development, you know, I've got that passion back because that pub I was talking about earlier, you know, we run it for that length of time. We then uh, rented it for a couple of years. Those people then gave us the keys back and we then converted it into a fantastic residential property, which we then sold and, and sort of made sort of good money from that. And I've gone on from that then and you know, we bought a small holding, which had a, a derelict barn, which had planning permission for a holiday let. So we've developed that into a holiday let. So I've started to get back into development. Um, Brilliant. Those two projects have gone well. So you know, I've, I've got that love back as well now for myself to do it. Oh, fantastic. And so in terms of signature, what's been the hardest part in scaling that loan book and business then? If I'd be honest, the most difficult thing is probably staffing. Yeah, no, that's, the most pop- that's the most popular comment yeah. when I yeah. ask that question of scaling any yeah. business staff. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's war in response. It, yeah, it's a, but, it, but it is a staffing because, as I said, you know, I've built Signature on the back of relationship management. Yeah. You know, knowing your customer and it's going back to, as you said earlier, about the way that the bank manager used to be. You know, and, and that's when I was a bank manager. You know, I had a personal lending authority and you know, I could make decisions. The town I worked in, I had a substantial authority. The other guys had, you know, very small authority. So if anybody wanted to borrow money, they had to come to me. I didn't have to go looking for them. They came to me. And that sort of philosophy of relationship management, that's what I've tried to instill into signature. Okay. It does take a bit more time to build up the relationship to get the deals, but longer term, the rewards are there. And, and that, that's what's taken me time to build signature, maybe compared to some of my competitors. Because I always say, you know, we're not the cheapest in the market. I'm, unfortunately, I'm not a bank that takes deposit, deposits, pays very low credit interest so I can lend that money out. Yeah. Um, no, and we, we never will be that size. But, but one thing that Signature does, and these are words that people have said about us, not my words, you know, Signature does what it says it's going to do. And, and that's one thing in terms of you know, knowing your customer is yes, and I, and I don't apologise, that we may ask one or two questions more at the outset to fully understand the deal. So when we issue the terms, those are the teams that you're, terms that you're drawing down on. You know, there's, there's no changes on those anywhere along the, the line. Well, I guess it's, you're very much kind of business to business rather than business to consumer. And so it's that long-term relationship is who you lend to. You're probably going to have the opportunity to lend to more than, more than once. And I guess that's really what you're wanting is that return customer, really. So, well, so it is. You know, we, we've got our repeat customers. We're probably 40% of our current loan box is repeat customers, which is fantastic yeah. because yeah. it's beneficial for both parties. Because we've both done a deal together, we've seen it successfully completed, then you, it's easier then to look at the second one from, mm-hmm. from, a, from a lending perspective. And then I always say then, you look at a further deal, we then sharpen our pencil a bit more because it's less risk because of you know, that relationship. So yeah. you know, it, is, it is beneficial to come back for the second, the third and the fourth. And as I say, I've got some clients who've been borrowing from me now for probably five, six years. Yeah. And, and it's literally, I get a phone call, they give me the property address. And we're, we're a way to go. Uh, you know, we're straight into valuations and legals. So, so it does. It, it, it helps everybody to Brilliant. maintain that sort of relationship, you know, and, and take that forward. But again, it does take longer than just offering 
the cheaper rates to just build up your book. But that's not always the best because, you know, it's for me, it's, it's quality over the quantity. And so can you mention staffing being difficult? What tips would you give to any business owners about staffing? Like we said, it's the most common issue of, of scaling any business. If I, like I say, one thing, and I know recruitment companies are not going to be, lo- not going to love me for saying this, but I, I've, I've never been successful with people that I've employed through recruitment companies. Right. Uh, it's, I think I find it, they just, you know, I tell them what I'm looking for, but they then just throw mud at the wall, hoping something will stick. Right, yeah. I think the, the best people that I've employed have been sort of recommended uh, and, and also have people who have come from a similar banking background to that I have been in. I've been in. Yeah. You know, where, where there's like-minded sort of people, but, you know, with that banking background, the relationship management, you know, those are the people who seem to be successful and, and seem to stick around with Signature. Where, you know, where, it, where it can be difficult where you know you some staff they could be successful with somebody and then they want to move on again and move on again well if you're successful why would you want to move on yeah yeah um, you know where i've been fortunate and where i've sort of picked up people from you know restructuring within the banks and you know and they, they haven't left because of their performance they've just left because the bank has shut that department yeah and there's yeah. no jobs for them so that's where you know I, I found people who know people word of mouth recommendations and people with that banking background because that fits in with the philosophy of signature in terms of having that relationship absolutely and what would you say has been the hardest thing about raising finance for signature i.e., getting kind of credit lines in to then go and lend out what's been the most difficult part of that if i'd be honest i've sort of been quite fortunate in that respect in that you know as i said when we were a startup company you know our first private equity funder you know they they were amenable they, they they took us on they had faith in us so that wasn't a you know a, a very painful sort of process but again as we all know with private equity it's that sort of five to seven sort of year turnaround yeah. which i which we did back in beginning of 2020 and at that stage the other two co-founders they went off to do their own thing yeah so i i, I did the buyer then the new private equity but i was part of the buying team but also part of the selling team which is a bit uh, bizarre but again the the new private equity people we brought on called the foresight group they've got substantial amounts of money invested in portfolio companies in the uk and so um, amenable for 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 cash and funding you know because they want me to grow the business which yes i want to do but i always use the you know the term it's easy to lend the money it's making sure you can get it back (laughs) exactly it's yeah, not what your back. loan book is it's what's your paid back amount that's important yeah. isn't it yeah yeah because yeah. yeah. i know, you know a lot of people will will smile when the money goes out i smile when the money comes back in because okay. that's when i know i've made money okay. um, so no so I, no we've as I, i'm in a very sort of fortunate position in, in that respect in terms of my funders and and also because of my background you know in terms of being a banker and a developer again fortunate for signature is that both my private equity and my debt providers, they allow me to make the decisions. Yeah. So so it's not a case of I'll say to you, yes, and then I go go, go run to it committee off. Or no, something no, like no. Yeah. no. Yeah. The, the buck stops you, I say both in terms of get in and out and getting it back in, which again is very powerful in the market. And that's why people have said you do what you say you're gonna do. Because and you know And I guess one of the hardest things about kind of scaling a business like that that's built so much on the idea of kind of relationships and quality of service and personal service as well 
is that as you get bigger and bigger, how do you how do you manage that quality of service? How do you how do you kind of keep a handle on that? Or is the idea not to grow too big to to kind of get rid of that? Because I know everyone starts out, all these lenders start out kind of here's what we want, and then I don't know, before you know it, they're huge. And not always, but a lot of the time that quality of service can can kind of can can get eroded a little bit because it's not the the individual that you're dealing with anymore yeah and that's where me and sort of others within the company differ in that i think we can take this business in the short term you know 100 150 million pound lending book which again compared to some of my competitors is is, is a very small book you know it's a very small percentage of the overall bridging cake so i'm yep. not being greedy on a small bit but i think in terms of taking it to that level I think that's something I can genuinely still ensure that the service is there. And I personally wouldn't want to take it any bigger because of that reason, as you said. I don't want to lose the quality of the service because that's what we sell signature on. It's the service. And, and it's very difficult when you speak to somebody for the first time because they'll say, oh, well, everybody says that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to. But then when I do the second deal with those people, they say, yeah, you were right to what you said initially. So no, I don't want to grow it. I don't want a big animal. You know, in, in terms of you know, succession planning with a company, that, that's something I'm, I'm already looking at in terms of bringing other people in so that we maintain that service into yeah. the future. As long as I'm at the reins, so to speak, I don't want it to be a big animal, which I can't manage. Because I say service is everything to me. Yeah, fantastic. So what do you see as being the biggest risk to your business at the moment? What are you trying to put in place to mitigate that? Well, I think the, the obvious one at the moment, you know, it's is there going to be a property crash? Is the bubble going to burst? Is there going to be a correction in values? I listen to a lot of different commentators and, and you know, yeah. If somebody had the answer, they wouldn't need to be a commentator. They'd be a multimillionaire themselves. So I think there's going to be some sort of correction in the market. And I say, for us, you know, it comes back to the, the quality, not quantity. You know, sure. having the quality borrower, knowing the borrower, you know, knowing that you know, the, the borrower can ride any particular you know, potential storm to a degree. And that's, you know, if there is a crash around the corner, you know, I, I'm not... You know, looking to reduce LTVs, GDVs at the moment. Again, going back to COVID and the pandemic, we didn't shut. Yeah. We, we, we stayed open all the way through. And I deliberately didn't shout it from the rooftops. But customers that we'd agreed funding before COVID drew down on those same deals. We didn't cut LTVs or GDVs. And throughout COVID, where I could get a valuer out, we were still doing deals at you know, full rates. Yeah. Okay, where, where I couldn't get a valuer out, we were then using which was new for us, desktop valuation. So we slightly reduced the LTV. Yeah, and and there, was, there was a number of clients at the time who, who came to us because their normal lender had shut. And then when that new lender reopened, I thought, well, they're going to go back. Well, fair play, they didn't. They retained the loyalty to Signature and they've stayed and they're still with Signature now. So I think it's, it's similar to what happened during the pandemic. If there is a correction, it's because of, you know, we, we know and understand our clients we know the quality they are. We trust and believe that they can ride the storm. And again, it's all down to communication then. And just keep keep talking to us. Yeah, so, so, so important, especially when anything's going wrong. Don't bury your head in the sand. Just, yeah, keep up communication. If, if people don't know what's going on, they can't come up with solutions to help. As, as, a, lend, as a lender, sorry, you know, if somebody doesn't talk to you, you always think the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so, so even if somebody picks up the phone, I've got nothing to tell you, but just talk to me. 
So I, so I know it's not the worst. <laughs> oh, good advice. Um, so last question then, Tony. What's the kindest thing someone has ever done for you in business? Well, f- funny that it, it does go back to, again, 2008. There's a guy, uh, he's a surveyor, and sadly he's no longer with us. He passed away. But at the time, and there was nothing in it for him, but he, he could see that, that I was sort of in a, in a lonely place. And property is a lonely place. It can be a very lonely place. I was in a lonely place trying to sort of sort it out. And fair play, he sort of sat me down and taught me through a number of things, different strategies. He also put me in touch with a couple of professional peoples just to get advice from them as well. And he didn't need to do it. He didn't make any money out of it. And I, you know, I genuinely saw him as, as a friend who was there to try and just help me when I was in a very difficult situation. And I said, sadly, he passed away because he was going to be involved with Signature. He oh, was going to be yeah. he was going to be our auditing surveyor. But unfortunately, before Signature started, I say he uh, passed. So, uh, but yeah, that, that that's that's the one thing that always sticks in my mind, and and that's one thing again with Signature now that that I do sometimes get criticised that I empathise too much with people because I've been there. Uh, but again, that's, that's, that's a human quality I'm not going to stop using because I think that's a positive or a negative. Absolutely. And it seems to be the basis of why your business is doing so well. So, yeah, I, do, I totally agree with that. Um, so thanks so much, Tony. For anyone listening, you might recognize Signature as sponsoring the broadcast. So a massive thank you there as well. I know they're still offering free legals for anyone who mentions the broadcast. Uh, if you are looking for bridge or development finance, I'd highly recommend them. Like Tony says, they do do what they say on the tin and they're extremely flexible. So go to them with your deals. Thanks again, Tony. It's been great to chat and get to know more about you. No, thanks very much, guys. Again, thanks for the invite to do this.